0: Alan, Karen, thank you so much. Church, I'll tell you what, with worship like that, I almost forgot I was supposed to preach this morning. Thank goodness Alan started praying. That was a good cue. Somebody's got to do something next. Well, hey, we have talked about kingdom. We have talked about what it means to be a disciple. And today in our new sermon series, we are about halfway through. We're going to talk about society. And next week, Jacob is going to be Fill in the pulpit, right? He's going to be bringing the word and we're going to be talking about church. And so I am super excited for next week, but hey, we got to get through this week first, right? So we're going to talk about society this morning, what it means to engage the society, what happens if the church does not engage the society, and what happens to the church when we forget to engage society, and then how we engage it as kingdom citizens, as a church. What is the purpose of this church in this community? So today, Kingdom domain, society. How do we transform the community for the kingdom? First thing we have to ask ourselves is, what happens when the church forgets about society? And I think this is something that as the church becomes focused in on itself, and we become the central idea of our Sunday morning, and we are not necessarily worried about the community that surrounds us. We are worried about how good our experience is here as believers, and we just are concerned about one another. I think what happens to the church, and what could happen to the church, and could happen even to Asante Church, if we're not careful, is that it will become an us versus them mentality. It will be us, the sheep, Versus the wolves, us the sheep versus the goats. Not quite as scary, just a little bit different, just a little bit more off, just a little bit lost. And I think we have to be really careful of that. As a church, let's never look at our community as us versus them. Let's look at the community as us. Let's realize that God has placed us here to reach the community that we have found ourselves in. We're here for a reason. We've established that. We're here to see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And as kingdom citizens, that is our job. So as we engage our community, as we engage our city, and we're this weird little northwest clip of Surprise that I'm pretty sure like all but one person on the city council has forgotten about up here in Northwest Surprise. This is where God has placed us. This is where we need to be good stewards of. It is not us versus them. It is us. And if we forget to engage society, if we forget to engage our community, the church ceases to be the church and the church becomes a moral country club. It's where we come, it's where we hang out, it's where we greet each other, it's where we give each other hugs, we pat each other on the back, we worship together. If you're if you're really serious about being a part of this country club, you might even bring your little booklet that's just for people that are part of this club, known as your Bible. You might even open that up and you might even read it. And then when you leave here, you might say, man, that was such a good time with my friends at the club. I'm so glad I paid my dues on the way out. I think i'll I think I'll show up again next week so I can get a good feeling and I can go back out and live my life and really. This country club that I'm a part of have no part to play in the rest of my week. We cannot let that become us. We have to be careful. It's not us versus them, this is not a country club, and we cannot lose kingdom impact. When we stop engaging the community around us, when we stop engaging society, we lose all kingdom impact. And as a church, we are here to be a beacon in the darkness, a lighthouse shining a lamp to the shore, to the boats that are out on the waves, so that they don't wreck, so that they can find their way home. That is us. We are the church. And if we forget to engage society, the church becomes a fortress that we wall up and we put up our defenses and we keep people out because they're dangerous. They're dirty. They don't look like me. They don't act like me. They don't have the same taste that I have. They don't watch their mouth when they're around me. They don't live their life as moral as I do, so we build our walls up. We build them higher and higher and higher. And the church was never supposed to be a fortress to keep people out. The the church is supposed to be a kingdom where we train so that we can engage the community around us, so that we can be encouraged here, so that we can be equipped here, so that we can go out and we can reach other people with the good news of Jesus. And the church forgets society when... So we've talked about what happens to society when the church forgets it, but how do we forget society? Where do we get to that point? How do we come to this point? We forget society when we forget our sin. We become us versus them, and we start to look at other people like that wasn't once us. Like God doesn't hold all sin equal. You may have stolen a paperclip off your teacher's desk in third grade. I did that, so if that was you... We're sinful people. Congratulations. We're thieves. All right. I don't care how small it was. Somebody else may have stolen something big, maybe a car. Maybe they even murdered somebody. But you know what? In God's eyes, sin is held equal. And so it is not us versus them. It is, I was once a sinner. I have been saved because Jesus found me. And the work of Jesus on the cross was victorious over sin, was victorious over death. And now I live in that. in the person That is in our community that is not there yet they just haven't come into relationship with jesus they just haven't been engaged with the gospel it's a matter of time when we engage them so do not forget that you were a sinful person you've just been made new do not forget that you are still a sinful person you just continue to be forgiven the people that we are reaching out to the people that we love they need jesus they need the same forgiveness Do not push them out. Do not distance yourself from them. And do not lose your heart for the lost. When we neglect the ministry of reconciliation, we neglect the community. We neglect our neighbors. We neglect our friends. We neglect our coworkers. We neglect the annoying people that especially need Jesus at work. And if that annoying person is in your home, then I'm sorry. But you can't neglect them either. We learned last week, part of being a disciple is being given given the ministry of reconciliation from Jesus. Do not forget that we have a community, that we have domains that we are called to disciple. The church that forgets society, the church that forgets its community, the church that forgets its domain is a hospital that is full of empty room, that has a waiting room that is full of dying people. We need to bust down the doors that are separating them, whether that is mentally, whether that is physically, whether that is emotionally, certainly that is spiritually, keeping the people that are dying in the waiting room from getting to the hospital beds to where they can be treated. Asante Church, let us not forget to engage our community. Let's pray. I'm just kidding. We are going to be in Luke chapter 10 this morning verses 1 through 11. We see that in Luke chapter 10 verses 1 through 11 Jesus lays out this blueprint on how we are supposed to engage society and he lays it out in, dis- in sending out 72 of his disciples to reach the places that he was about to go. So Luke chapter 10 verses 1 through 11. We will be here for the remainder of today. We will jump over to two other verses. They will not be on the screen, so you don't have to look back at Stephen and be like, hey, are you asleep back there? You don't have to do that. All right. But if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. So Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. Go ahead and turn there, and we will start reading. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him. Two by two, into every town and every place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Man, that is so true. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord, to to the harvest, to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers in to his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter the town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, wipe them off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. So in this, in this scripture, Luke 10, 1 through 11, we see that there are seven steps, seven attributes, seven things that we need to do as a church that Jesus lays out if we are going to engage our community, if we are going to engage our society. The first of those seven is that we need to start with prayer. We need to start with prayer. If you are taking notes this morning, that is a great place to get started. Save some room. We have seven points. Hopefully we get through this and it doesn't go into Jacob's time. (laughs) And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So what is the first thing that we are called to do? The first thing we are called to do is pray for the work that is ahead of us. Pray for the work that is to be done, but pray for people to do it alongside. They went out, 72 disciples, two by two. They went out with people. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. We have a job ahead of us, and we need laborers. I feel that every Sunday morning when we are setting up this church. Man, God, this is awesome. I'm so glad this doesn't look like a cafeteria with got milk signs up on the walls that have been there since 1998 when I was in school. God, I'm glad that we have a place to worship that isn't distracting, where we can get into the environment and get into the zone and lift the name of Jesus high. And God, I thank you for the team that Jacob has put together so that we can go about setting up this church so that we can come together as a community, as a society, as kingdom citizens and worship you. But the work isn't just setting up a church. It's not just tearing down a church. It's not just volunteering in preschool and kids' ministry. It's not just showing up in here and worshiping or being on stage and worshiping, if you're going to be a part of that soon. It's so much more. It's engaging a community. The work of the church begins here as a church where we are equipped and encouraged, but it really starts when we leave these walls, when we engage our community. For those of you that don't know, we live in a community of 16 1,000 people. 16,000 people. By 2035, that is supposed to grow to 60,000 people. Our church right now is way bigger than I ever thought it would be at this point, and that is awesome. We are right around 100 people every single service right now, and that is a sign that God is growing His church. We are a church in the community. He's calling believers here. He's calling people that don't know Him here so that they can enter into relationship with Him. They can get to know Him and grow in Him. hundred people. Alright, and I'm counting if, it's, if they got a soul, they're on the roll. Okay? If it, if it was a service dog, it might be sketchy, but I'd, probably, I'd count them too. hundred one. Not Dalmatians, but people in attendance. If you think about it, about fifty 60 of that number is adults, people that can really engage the community, can really engage the society, really engage their domain, the places where God has put you. I say that, but I think my five, almost six-year-old daughter engages people at the park better than most people I've ever seen. And man, as cute as she is, I don't know how everybody doesn't just jump into a relationship with Jesus right then and there. If you think about it, 16,000 people, We have 60-ish adults that are part of this service. If we were all to take our role in engaging society seriously, that means that as we leave today, say we give it a month, within the span of a month, if we were to engage everybody in our community, that is 266 people per person that is represented here in this worship service right now. The harvest is plenty. The workers are few. But I want to tell you this: if you will join me in praying that God would lend more workers to the harvest, lend more people to the mission that He is accomplishing and advancing the kingdom in our community, if you will join me in that, the labors will come. How do I know that? Because a kingdom mentality is an abundance mindset. Our God is not short on resources. Our God is not holding things back from our church. Our God has provided ever since the first day we stepped foot into this community. And I know that because I prayed for laborers since we stepped foot into this community. I saw the need. I saw that over 96 people, 96% of the people of the 6,000 that lived here, it was 13,000 of the 16,000 that live here now, it was 13,000. 96% of those people, either unchurched or dechurched, do not have a relationship with Jesus. I don't want those people to die and go to hell knowing that I'm a pastor of a church that is in this community that has been called to reach them. If you are a member of this body, if you are a believer in Jesus, and we take this mission seriously, that should break our heart. 96% of our community, of our society that God has entrusted us to, does not have a relationship with Jesus. That's the need. God is providing for that need. We started off this church as four people. Well, six, if you count our little girls. It's me, Rachel, my mom, and grandma. My mom and grandma beat us out here by a month and a half, and I'm pretty sure it was just because the grandkids were going to be here. All right? God continued to grow the church. He continued to build a core team that we were able to launch with. Over the span of COVID, where churches were having to shut down, we saw growth of 40 people over Zoom Bible studies. If that's not the work of the Lord, I don't know what it is. I hate Zoom. All right, you have to really exaggerate your face so people can read your body language and half the time your internet doesn't work and when it does, your kids come in screaming at you because they broke their Barbie's leg off. <laughs> it's frustrating. For God to grow the church by 40 people in that span of time during the circumstances of COVID is unreal. But when we pray for laborers, God hears us. and He sends laborers to work the harvest. So before we do anything, let's pray. Let's not spin our tires let's not try to go about the work of ministry, the work of the kingdom without the king of the kingdom behind our backs taking the wind from him, putting him in our sails. Second trait is that well, second thing is that there are three three traits of a kingdom community developer. We see this in verse 3. So go ahead, find verse 3 there. It says, go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Three traits that we see as lambs in the midst of wolves, as believers, as disciples being sent out into our community is that we need to be humble. We need to have humility. The disciples were lambs, and they were not to gain converts. They were not to go out and force people to be followers of Jesus. They were sent out to serve people, and to share the good news of the gospel, to share the good news of the kingdom. So as a church, as kingdom citizens, as people engaging our community, we need to be humble. The second thing we need to be is vulnerable. Sheeps in the midst of wolves, that means open to attack physically, emotionally, spiritually. We make ourselves vulnerable vulnerable we have to continue to be vulnerable jesus never once put up his defenses when they came for him to put him on a cross he offered himself up we are to follow in the example in the footsteps and the life and in the teaching of jesus we need to make ourselves vulnerable this starts in the home husbands as leaders you're called to be the head of your household being the head of your household, as the leader of your household, you are called to make yourself vulnerable to your wife, to make yourself open to your wife, to say, hey, let's go to Chipotle. And when she says no, say, okay, let's go to Raising Cane's. And when she says no, say, all right, maybe let's go to Jimmy John's. And when she says no, well, then you know, you've made yourself vulnerable three times. And every time you got your neck popped, you continue to make yourself vulnerable. And then eventually you just say, okay, well, what do you want for dinner? You make yourself vulnerable to your kids. You make yourself vulnerable to your friends. You do not wall yourself up. You make yourself vulnerable. You make yourself approachable. And the third trait of a kingdom community developer is we have a counterintuitive kingdom mindset. That means we think what is right, not what feels right. I've only ever experienced spiritual growth, the Holy Spirit growing me in my relationship with Jesus bringing me deeper and closer to him through discomfort in my life. If we are going to be a people that make a difference in our community, that means that we are vulnerable. That means that we are letting our guard down. means we are sheep in the midst of wolves. That means getting uncomfortable getting around people you wouldn't normally put yourself around. That means doing more than driving home from work, opening the garage, pulling in, closing the garage door, and going inside your house. And the only activity that you know that happens on your street is when your ring doorbell tells you, we have to engage our community. It's never going to feel right. It's only going to feel awkward. It's only going to feel hard. It's going, only going to feel discomforting. But I promise you, When you pursue people with the gospel, when you love them, because Jesus has loved you, God is going to grow you in the midst of that discomfort. So we have to get uncomfortable. We have to have the courage to obey God, to obey his principles, and we have to be kingdom-minded. Number three, we need total dependence on God. We find this in verse four. This is good right here. I relate to this quite a bit, and I think, well, I know for certain because I know some of you. I know that you do as well. We need to have total dependence on God. Verse 4 says, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. As a church, as kingdom citizens, we have to remove the temptation away from being God. We have to let God be God. When we have everything that we need, every resource we can imagine, everything packed up, ready to go, when we have no worry, then there's no stepping out in faith. We can do everything in our own strength. When we depend on our own selves, we are saying, God, I see you up on that throne. I want to take you off that throne for a minute. I want to sit on it. And because I've got this, because I've got all the resources, I've got all the energy, I've got all the own strength, I can do what you have called me to do. Now I'm going to sit on that throne. Now I am going to make myself God. We need to have total dependence on the Lord. Carry no money bag. Carry no knapsack. Carry no sandals and greet no one on the road when we do things out of our own resources, when we do things out of our own power, we become God in our lives. God's saying, Jesus is saying, don't worry. Don't worry about what you'll take. Do what I have told you. Don't worry about the resources. Don't worry about the comfort. I am calling you to something in your life. I am calling you to go. Stop sitting back. Stop wondering if you'll have what it takes. Trust in me. Have faith in me. You're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. You're a follower of Jesus. Are you not more than the birds? They don't worry about what they're going to eat. They don't store it up for winter, and God feeds them. Do the lilies of the field worry about what they will wear and how they will be clothed? Absolutely not. And they are more beautiful than any robe that King Solomon ever put on. Are you not more than the birds? Jesus asks his disciples. Are you not more important, more valuable than the lilies of the field? Hey, you are. Stop worrying about, if you're going to have what's needed down the road, let's go down the road. Let's trust that God has our back. Let's trust that God has provision. Let's trust in him. Now I said that this is me. I want to prove that this is me. Um, When we went from, uh, when I stepped out of ministry in Irving, I got this awesome gift for serving in ministry there from Jacob, who was taking my job. I don't know if this is all planned out or not, but uh, he got an REI gift card for me, and I was really into, and I still am really into, this thing called through hiking. Through hiking is where you put everything you can in a backpack, and you take off down the road like you're a hobbit on the way to Mordor, Okay you got to destroy that ring. And the only way to destroy that ring is to get through the hike, and hopefully you didn't forget anything. So this is a Gregory Baltoro 75-liter backpack. And this is true to scale right here. This backpack is actually that big. So what I would do, um, all the hiking trips I've been on, I hiked to my truck after I packed this thing full. I put a camp stove, a two burner camp stove that was 35 pounds, I was gonna get really far with that, with propane bottles in this backpack. Then I put my goose down sleeping bag for negative 20 degree weather. It was 65 that weekend. I stuffed that in there and then I was like, you know what, I'm gonna need clothes. So I put all the clothes in the backpack. I had every resource covered sans beef jerky so stopped by the gas station on the way out to the hunting cabin by the way wasn't a through hike i was just putting everything in this backpack to put it into my truck to put it into the cabin and unload it and not look at the backpack the rest of the weekend (laughs) put my dirty clothes in all right i stepped out with everything i needed now that was a first for me because i usually step out and i forget half the stuff because i'm so excited that i just forget everything Rachel double-checked my list that weekend. When I stepped out, I wasn't worried about if I was going to survive because I knew that I had my two-burner camp stove, okay? Look, and I was going to make it. And if I didn't, I was at least going to eat good until I did. It was going to be a lot of good ramen noodles. I had everything packed up. I had all the resources at my fingertips. I could do everything I needed to at the cabin in my own strength Except hunt an animal because I went for five years straight and I never got a single one. Horrible. But I think we approach God the same way God, show me the cards. Show me your plans. Show me everything. Give me all the resources and then I'll go. I want to see the checklist, God. Show me the checklist. Okay, you've done that. You've done that. You've done that. You've done that. And God's saying, don't worry about it. Just go. I've given you. Everything that you need, I will give you everything you need. Stop worrying. Just go. Next, we see that if we're going to be totally dependent on God, that means we have to be fully present people because fully present people reach people. If God is going to provide for our needs, we do not need to waste our thoughts on the worry and the stress and the anxiety of is he going to provide. We need to put our emotions, our thoughts our follow-through into the relationships, into the people that we are surrounded with. We need to be aware of our surroundings. We need to be focused on the people we are surrounded by. And we need to identify their needs. And then we need to avoid distraction. It says, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. And I read that at first, and I was like, dang, Jesus, that's pretty harsh. Not even like, hey, what's up, secret handshake? Nothing. Culturally, The greeting of these people would have taken a lot longer than they needed. They needed to stay focused. They didn't need to be distracted. They needed to get on the mission that Jesus had called them to, to talk to the people, get to the places that he had called them to talk to because he was getting ready to go there. And they needed to be prepared for Jesus. Avoid distractions. A greeting is a good thing, but it's not the best thing. It's not the great thing. And I think as believers, as a church, a lot of times we can get caught up in good things, doing good things for God, doing good things for the kingdom, doing good things in the church and ministry that we get distracted from the great things that God has actually said to go and to do. Don't get distracted in these greetings. Keep going. Press on to the place that I have set aside for you and stay focused. Fourth point, find places of receptivity. Verses 5 and 7. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what people provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. So it is in these places as present people, that we are to sit with people, we are to be with people, we are to share meals with people, get to know them, let the guards down, and we are to discover. Discover in every relationship in your life, in every place that receives you. What is God already doing? What relationships are being presented to me for the kingdom right now, where I can have an impact for Jesus in this situation? And what opportunities are afforded to me because God has put me in this situation? So we discover, what is God doing? We look at the relationships. How can I have impact? And we look at the opportunities. How can the kingdom be advanced through me being well-received here? Whenever we were looking at what God was doing in the life of our community, we looked around, we said, man, firefighters, firefighters. They're super rad. we got a really janky fire station. We should probably pray for a better fire station for them. And I mean, hey, look, God answered that prayer. Have you seen this fire station over here? It's pretty awesome. No, that was a joke. But we did pray that they would be safe. So they've been safe. It's been pretty good. We did see that our teachers were having a massive impact. This school right here, Asante Preparatory Academy, was having a massive impact, and so we didn't want to be a church that just rented out a space and had nothing to do with the teachers, had nothing to do with the staff, had nothing to do with the PTO, had nothing to do with the students. We wanted to make a difference right here, and so instead of reinventing the wheel, what we did is we developed a relationship with the PTO, and anytime the PTO needs something, they're able to reach out to the church and say, hey, we have these needs In our student body, we have these needs on our staff, and as a church, because you guys live generously and you are faithful to give what God has entrusted to you, we put those resources back into the school so that we're able to encourage these teachers, encourage these staff members, so that we're able to provide for needs for families that wouldn't have food when they go on break. And this isn't saying that, hey, we're doing this all by ourselves as a Sante Church. Absolutely not. We were saying we were coming alongside the PTO and what they were already doing. We were looking for an opportunity. What is God doing? How is he providing for his people? All right, let's jump on that. Let's make that better. Let's develop relationships here and let's see how God within these relationships, within these needs being met, can advance his kingdom. How can God make a difference right here at Asante Prep Academy, right here in our community, because we were present people who were well received. So believers here today, church, where are you welcome? Where are you well received? Let's look at that as present people ready to engage it. The fifth trait, if we are going to engage our society for the kingdom, is we need to to receive their gift of giving. Verse 7, receive their gift of giving and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Remember, we're to be lambs, we're to be sheep. Part of that is being vulnerable. So we need to be vulnerable enough so that we can receive a gift from the people around us. As believers, there are people that are on board with us. They are on board with what Jesus is doing through our church, with making a difference, making an impact for him in our community. And they want to bless that. They want to be a part of that. But they cannot bless that if we are not willing to receive that gift. Living in others' giving, for me, has been a challenge. I can be a prideful person, But I have been incredibly humbled by being on a church staff. And when I was a student pastor, I just received a check. I didn't really have a whole lot to do with the giving of the church. I didn't really see a whole lot of that side of things. And so it was more like a job. I'm here to minister to students. I'm here to engage them and their families, grow them closer to Jesus. And I receive a wage from that. Then I went into the job world, the workplace, and I started earning my wages based off of the service of fire protection and inspecting that I would provide. And when things really went haywire, I got to work overtime, which I didn't even know that was a thing in church. It's just like, what's that? All right. But in the real world, there's overtime and I would receive more wages for that. And I would earn my living. I would earn my wages and I would provide for my family. But in the process of planting this church, I've had a complete upside-down judo flip from Jesus in my mind of what it looks like to be provided for. We had to raise enough money for the first three to four years of ministry within this church. That took an incredible amount of faith. That's my salary, that's insurance for our family, and that is every, every ministry that this church has so that it can operate. And in the midst of that, my pride had to be completely obliterated. I had to die to myself and realize, God, this isn't how hard I can work. This isn't how much I can earn everything so that I can take care of my family. God, I am solely reliant on you in this. And in nine months, we were able to raise 90% of what we needed for the life of this church for the first three to four years. And that is not bragging, that is bragging on God. That is to say, Look at what God did when I stopped worrying about it, when I stopped saying I need to earn this and then I will receive it. I just receive it because God has every resource at his hand ready to give to us. So we have to be willing and ready to receive a gift. Put your pride aside. You're not always going to earn it, but do not deny someone else of their blessing, whether that is financial, whether that is physical, a gift, whether that is emotional, relational, that goes all the way down to do not deny somebody of a compliment when they pay you a compliment. And look, I know we got a lot of people in this church that cannot take a compliment, and it drives me insane. You all look great today, by the way. You're welcome. (laughs) We need to accept it. We need to humble ourselves. We need to receive it. As small as a compliment, as small as encouragement, and as big as a financial gift. John thirteen eight. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And he's talking to Jesus. Jesus answers him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Receive a blessing. Realize that it's from the Lord that God is providing for you. And realize that if you are to deny that blessing, whatever that is, you are denying a blessing that God has given them, that God would give to them. And then we see that giving is a catalyst for kingdom resources. Luke 6, 38. Also not on the screen. Don't look back at Stephen. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. So we see that we have resources, and resources reach people, resources meet needs as a church, everything that we take in as a congregation, that means everything outside of partner giving, partner, churches that are partnered with us to make sure that our ministry can continue until we become self-sustained. All of our local congregational giving that we receive online from you guys as members or in the giving box at the welcome table, 11% of all of that goes right back out into planting churches. We have three churches that we are supporting right now. Valley Life, North Peoria, Village, Hope, Levine. And I say supporting. Like we're supporting them with 1% of that. So we are meeting a small need. We are not fully funding these churches. We ain't rolling in the dough like that, all right? But we are meeting a need where we can. And then we are setting aside money, 1% every month, for our next church plant, knowing that churches meet needs because churches when they're doing their job and they're in communities they're engaging the people that they've been called to engage for the gospel the needs are met then we give seven percent six percent back out no seven percent it's a percentage it's less than eight it's more than six okay we give that back out to church planning organizations so god has entrusted us with resources we need to steward them well we need to advance the kingdom Last two points, real quick. We need to heal the sick. You see this in verse 9. Heal the sick in it, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So this is meeting a physical, this is meeting an emotional need. This is not the Greek word for this version of heal the people, is therapeuo, This means to be a menial attendant. This is more of a nurse taking care of somebody that is in a hospital bed. This is more of somebody that is meeting needs and providing a service more than it is the laying on of hands and seeing a physical healing take place through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not limiting the power of the Holy Spirit saying that people can no longer be healed because I've seen some incredible things that to this day I cannot explain outside of the Holy Spirit. But what I'm saying is in this scripture here, it is saying to be present with people, to identify their needs, and to meet those needs. And when you do that, it heals the people. It heals them relationally, and it heals them, preparing them for Jesus to come. Remember, that's why the gospel, or that's why the disciples are doing all of this, because Jesus is about to be in these areas, and they're preparing the way for him. So let's meet the needs of our community. And final point, point seven, is give a verbal witness of the kingdom. Verse nine, part B, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. What good does it do us as a church if all we ever do is meet the needs of people in our community, but we never open our mouths about the good news of Jesus? that there's a way to be forgiven of sin, and that's through the death of Jesus on a cross. And all you need to do is ask for forgiveness of your sin. There is a way to have a relationship with God, and that is through the work of Jesus on the cross. And when you make him Lord of your life, you go from dead to living. The old is gone, the new has come, and you are transformed. You are living a restored life out of the power of the Spirit. It is no longer on you. We are to give a verbal witness of the kingdom, not just do things that are nice for people because we're checking good deeds off of our list. If all we do is love people, if all we do is serve people and we never open our mouths for the good news of Jesus, we are loving them straight to hell. Let that soak in. There's a lot of people doing a lot of good out there. But if it's not paired with the gospel, if it's not paired with the hope of Jesus, if it's not paired with what he did on the cross for us in his victory over death, sin, and the enemy in their life, we're just a nonprofit. We're just taking care of people. But if you really want to meet a need, if you really want to see healing, bring the gospel. That is our responsibility. Meeting a need physically, emotionally, relationally, that is a foot in the door as we have said over and over since we started this church, and that is our job. But to bring true reconciliation, which is our ministry through Jesus, it can only be done through what Jesus did on the cross. It can only be done through the gospel. It can only be done through a relationship with Jesus because he is victorious. A church that fails to engage society is a church that is easily forgotten. I do not ever want Asante Church to be forgotten, not because of our own status, not because of pride or ego, but if we are a church that is forgotten, that means we are a church that never did a lick of good for our community, for the people God has called us to. Let's go. Let's serve. Let's go with the gospel. Let's go with hope. Let's go with light. Let's go with life, true life in Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to be kingdom developers in this society that you have called us to, that you have entrusted us to. Help us to be bold. Help us to be present. Remind us that we cannot do any of this until we pray, and we rely on you to do the work spiritually because we're just here physically. And As we tend to needs, as we bring healing as menial servants. And we're present physically, God. We pray that you would do the work in the spiritual places that we cannot see, that would bring hearts into a realization of sin, into a need of forgiveness, into relationship with you as their Savior, as their Lord. If you were at a place in this church this morning and you're just checking things out and you're really not sure where you stand with Jesus, you feel a call, you feel a pull of Jesus calling you into a relationship with him. You realize that there's sin in your life, and because of that, we are bound for hell. An eternal separation separate from God's love. We want you to realize that Jesus took the cross for you, that he died for your sin, so that he could have a relationship with you, so that he could prepare a way for you to be right with God so that you can spend an eternity with your Father in heaven. If a relationship with Jesus is something that he is calling you into today, and you feel that tug on your heart, and you know that's not something that you've done before, maybe you've wandered away, let us know on your contact card. We want to talk to you about that decision. We want to make sure that if you have questions, that they're answered. We want to be guiding person beside you in that process check that off. Throw that in the giving box on the way out. We want to meet with you. We want to talk about that. For the rest of us in here, we're called to engage our society, and Jesus, help us to engage our society, engage our community, to be good stewards. Help us to meet needs so that you can bring people into relationship with you. We love you, Father. Grow us. Use us. Holy Spirit, lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.